We are back on the road trip show with Diedrich uh, from Road Trip SA, the road trip app. And uh, yeah, we're continuing with the N4 uh, into Pretoria and uh, to the north of Pretoria, that N4, the Rustenburg N4. <laughs> yeah, no, the, bro- <laughs> Not the, bro- the, broke, the broken M4. The broken yeah. M4. <laughs> now, just uh, I think we we left we left off the last one on the on those on those different covenants. And uh, yes, that's we're talking about old old Jan Jan van Riebeek. Six of April, six of April, sixteen fifty two. He lands, and the the first covenant that um, was sort of made. Was was by him on on the second anniversary, so uh, sixteen fifty four. And I actually found the wording of the covenant, and it's actually quite interesting. Oh, and uh, the word the wording of it goes: Today is the second anniversary of our safe arrival with the ships Dromedaris, Reicha, and Chudehuap at this place through the holy guidance of God to build this fortress and establish the settlement according to the instructions of our lords and masters. And the Lord God has hitherto given his abundant blessing to the satisfactory and successful accomplishment of these matters. We have therefore resolved and also for the first time begun to celebrate the sixth day of April in the name of the Almighty. And henceforth set it aside for all time as a day of thanksgiving and prayer. So that our descendants may never forget the mercies we have received at the Lord's hands, but may always remember them to the glory of God. So just wow. just an interesting an interesting aside there that uh, six six of April is uh, also kind of an important day here, and he did his instructions were literally set up build a fort and start a vegetable garden. Those were his instructions, and okay. uh, he did he did it well enough to be promoted, and eventually he got promoted to I don't know governor of of um, Batavia, and he died and is he's, he's buried um, in Indonesia there. Oh, so I just, I just thought that that was a, that was an interesting aside. But now, yeah, uh, that's, so we're coming, that's brilliant. Yeah, we're coming. We're coming into Pretoria now, obviously from from the eastern side, and you go past the Pretoria National Botanical Gardens. Also, again, beautiful national gardens there. Um, yes, just on the right hand side on the copies there. But there's a very very interesting little memorial. If we now go onto the Pretoria Highway of N4. In- Interesting about uh, the botanical gardens. My mother worked at that one too. Oh, no, I'm nice, man. Those gardens, those gardens <laughs> were just down the road from the school I went to. And we used to um, AWOL and go and smoke in the gardens. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's, yeah, a different, that's a different story. Yeah, there, and there's a couple of hidden uh, pathways that uh, was forgotten, but I rediscovered them. No, it's a beautiful. That's a beautiful garden on the Kopiate. It's a really, really spectacular yeah. national national botanical gardens. But um, I'm not. We're not going to cover anything in Pretoria. Pretoria's just got too much. We're going to spend two two days or two hours or just just on Pretoria. But just yes. as you come past that intersection of the N4 and the N1, is a memorial to Pierre von Rehnefeld. Now, everybody knows oh, Pierre yes. von Rehnefeld as a suburb of Pretoria, just down down sort of down there towards Irene. But it's actually Sir Pierre van Rehnefeld. Now, this is, again, a hell of a character. And it's in honor of General Sir Hesperus Andreas Pierre van Rehnefeld. Good Lord, that's mouthful. That's a, it is. It's a heck of a <laughs> mouthful. But he was the founding commander of the South African Air Force. Oh, 
Yes. Yes. Very, very interesting little character. And it's um his, his memorial is just on some 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 a plot of land there at the Pretoria Experimental Farms. And it, is, it can be a little bit difficult to get there. But anyway, but he was born in Sienokal in the Free State. But during the First World War, he served in the Royal Flying Corps. And I mean, those were the real pioneers of aviation. Those guys were flying uh, cloth and string aeroplanes around, fighting each other in, in Belgium and France. And he received a Distinguished Service Order, a Military Cross, mentioned in dispatches, and the Chevalier Legion of Honor from the French. So this this clearly quite a serious pilot guy. Um, General Jan Smuts called him back to South Africa to actually establish the Cyber African Air Force. So old Pierre van Reinefeld looks at looks at this and says, "Hey, here we go. He has a he has a he has a chance for a for a bit of a party." So he doesn't do a road trip; he does a flying trip. <laughs> him and his mate, guy the name of Quentin Brunt, fly from England to South Africa. Okay, we're not we're not talking early nineteen hundreds. Yeah. And they're the first South African aviators to fly straight across Africa. And for this, they were knighted. He actually was knighted because he flew from, from Europe to South Africa. And that little monument is exactly where they landed. Oh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and he eventually, he died, he died in 1972. And there's a special display of his career at the Air Force Museum at um, the Air Force Museum in Swartkops. Oh yes. So really, that's just that's just that's just a cool one. Yes. Yeah, but I mean, no, okay, yeah, cool I mean, just, just past there, I mean, the, the road splits, and now you go into Pretoria Central, and there's a gazillion spots that we that we that we, that we talk about there when we're in Pretoria. But now, if you go straight through the centre of town, and you still sort of be on on the on the, the southern parallel in four, there's an interesting one again in um, Attridgeville. And that's a little memorial to the SS Mendy. Now, I don't know if you know about the SS Mendy. I think we have spoken We've about spoken it. about the SS Mendy. There's a couple of memorials to the SS Mendy. I think we spoke about it. There's a memorial to the SS Mendy. And uh, I think there's one in Soweto and there's another one in um, PE, in red location in PE. And that's that's to commemorate the SS Mendy, which was a South African troop ship or a troop ship that um, sank in the English Channel in February 1917. And what happened there is that there were members of the South African Native Labour Contingent who were on the ship, and the ship collided collided with another ship called the SS Darrow, and the Mendy was at full speed. And um, good lord, the captain was blind. Well, it was misty, it was dark, it's the English Channel, I mean, fog <laughs> and mist, I mean, it was terrible bloody yeah. weather up there. But we mentioned this guy, and we mentioned the SS Mendy, because of the Reverend, the Reverend Isaac Whitechope Dioba. Remember him? Yes, Whitechope, yeah. We remember Whitechope, the guy buried outside, outside um, Mikey's Fontaine. The general, the general Wildchop is buried outside Michael's name, but somehow this guy gets Wildchop's name. And he was yeah. a church minister on board the ship, and we've, we've spoken about this guy before. And uh, it's reported that um, while the ship is going down, obviously everybody realizes they're going to die. 
But um, again, his words, I don't know, this podcast seems to be a thing of quotes at the moment. But I mean, his words, he goes, be quiet and calm, my countrymen. What is happening now is what you came to do. You are going to die, but that is what you came to do. Brothers, we are drilling the death drill. I, at Gaza, say, you are my brothers, Swazis, Pondas, Basutus. So let us die like brothers. We are the sons of Africa. Raise your war cries, brothers, for though they made us leave our assegais in the crawl, our voices are left with our bodies. Yeah. Now that's yes. obviously, that's again, that's a reference to the native um, labor corps that they weren't allowed to carry weapons. Yes. They weren't allowed to become fighting soldiers during the war. They volunteered, all of them were volunteers, but they volunteered as, as a labor contingent. Um, yeah. And they went down <laughs> just, just off in the, south, in, the cha- in the English Channel. So that, that, that's one just off the N4. But now we've, now we've got to reverse. We've got to go back through Pretoria. We swing up the N1, then we take a right, and now we're on the start of the, of the second part of the, of the N4. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, you, you obviously then go past Honest to Put, Honest to Put being the, the famous, world famous veterinary um, college in Hospital South Africa. College, yeah. And there's an interesting little monument there, a guy by the name of Arnold Thieler. And he was he was a, a, a Swiss veterinarian who worked during the uh, in the Boer Republic, as well as um, in the Union of South Africa. And um, honestly, put obviously very well known as animal research, animal disease research, tropical diseases, wow. etc. And um, he he became famous during the Rinderpest. He did a lot of work in the Rinderpest. And uh, even your dog agreed with that one. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there's a statue of him on the actual campus of 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 Onestaput. But then, as we carry on now, now we're sort of coming out and we're heading out towards the Machalisburg, and you start seeing the Machada, beautiful ridge of Machalisburg Mountains up on your left hand side. And geologically speaking, it's actually a very, very interesting little spot, as it's a sort of to the remnants of what's called a it's a caldera. Which is a massive volcanic uprising, like like a big blister, if that makes yes. sense. And then that blister collapses in on itself. The Machalisberg is actually the ridge of that blister, and that's also why the north of the Machalisberg it is so fertile because that's volcanic volcanic rock up there. So I mean, you yes. can literally plant you can plant a broomstick, and the thing will grow in that area. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> but um, just in that in that little area there, there's a there's a, a statue to um, Yopi Furi. Yes. Now that again brings up a very interesting part of our history. Is he's considered sort of Africana rebel and martyr would be the best way to describe him. And um, he was a veteran of the Anglo-Boer War. <clears throat> Fighting for the Transvaal, so he was, he was one of the Boers fighting against the British. But now, of course, what happens is 1914. What happens is now suddenly we're a British colony, and Jan Smuts wants everybody to go fight on the side of the British. And there was a little mini rebellion, stroke uprising, in South Africa. And because a lot of the Boers didn't want to now go fight on the side of the British. And they were all, we only just 1902, we've just finished concentration camps. They tried to exterminate us, and now suddenly we must go help these guys fight the Germans. I'd rather fight on the side of the Germans. Yes. 
So yeah. huge, huge issues in South Africa with with that um, with 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 the rebellion. So in 1914, there was an up there was an uprising. Now, even the soldiers who decided to go and fight, the original idea was that everybody was going to go. That didn't work. And eventually it was asked for volunteers to go fight in Europe. And what had to happen is that you had to resign out of the out of the Union Defense Force. Then you'd walk across to the next table and you'd sign up on the in the, for the for the Imperial Army, and you would then go to Europe. So they couldn't force you to go and fight. Yes, but. Yuppie never resigned his commission. So technically, when he went into rebellion, he was accused of mutiny. Yeah. So he never resigned. And so he was then eventually caught. He was caught in the, on, in the 16th of December. There seems to be kind of a recurring day. Of <laughs> yeah. Because that was the rebellion sort of last stand at Neutgedacht outside Pretoria. So he was charged with high treason um, against the Union government as well as the British Empire and King. And it was basically because he just did not resign his commission. And he was shot at dawn on the 20th of December. Okay. And again, he's one of those characters buried in the Church Street Cemetery in Pretoria. The Church Street Cemetery in Pretoria is a treasure house of our yeah. So that that's just a kind of an interesting one that, that that you can that you can actually visit on the way out. Now you now as you go on the N4, you're skirting across the, the northern end of the Harabiersport Dam. Another little worthwhile spot is the DeVilt um Cheetah and Wildlife Rehab Center. That's just off the road there. That's where they yes. discovered um that the King Cheetah was actually just a double recessive gene and not a separate species. And it's a very nice little trip you can go around uh, through 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 that to get you take a little little um little bus tour and that kind of stuff. Part of Beersport Dam area, of course, is all sorts of interesting things there, little markets and and shops and all sorts of interesting stuff down that side. But again, the the Michalisburg was again quite a hive of activity during the Anglo World War. You've also got the Battle of Buffelsport. Also fought DC in the 1900. And Jan Smuts, Generals Jan Smuts and Kurs de la Rey were, were involved with that one. And it's one of the few battles at that stage that they actually beat the British. They managed to, to club the British and steal all of their supplies, which, um, like which irritated the <laughs> British no end. <laughs> and also, just interesting, like interestingly enough, you're just north here of um, the cradle of humankind. So I mean, you got all the spots. You got the, you got Maraping, and you've got the Wonder Caves. You've got Sterkfontein that you can go visit. But again, I think those are yeah. those are kind of maybe separate, bit of a separate separate podcast that we that we need to chat about the, about those spots. We can do that when we do yes. like do a whole Johannesburg thing. Then you've got a funny little town in Kruendal. With a very much with a, with a with a whole German flavor in there because the German Lutheran missionaries settled there in the late 1800s. In fact, um, 1889, German missionaries 
um, from the Hermansburg Missionary Society bought the, bought the farm there, the farm called Kurundal. And they, they okay. built a little church there, and there's, a, there's sort of a, kind of a, a little Lutheran church. There's an old school there that dates back to the late 1800s. So the German, quite a heavy German influence there in that little spot um, called Kurundal. The N4 then skirts down the bottom end of Rustenburg. Rustenburg statues of Paul Kruger. I mean, he was he was he was in there. And um, there's an interesting tree that that grows in the centre of Rustenburg, which and they call it the historic syringa tree. It's now a tree stump. It was a tree, but this is the spot okay. where the where the Kerk was actually established. In February of 1859, the church now known as the Dopper, the Dopperkerk. Oh yeah, and that was established. Um, so yeah, so mm. there's a historic syringa tree stump in Rustenburg, and that's what spot where the Gereformeerde Kerk or the Dopperkerk was actually established in 1859, and the meeting actually took place um, under that under that tree. Over 300 people were present. Paul Kruger included. Paul Kruger was one of the more well-known doppers um, okay. of, of members of that church. And um, the remnants of that tree are, are, are still there. So Rust- Rustenburg, kind of a bit of a dusty mining town. Not a, not a really lack of little spot that you really, really want to, want to go and have a look at. Uh, just north of Rustenburg, however, is sort of the original farm that Paul Kruger owned. It is still, you can go, you can go up there. There's a hotel on the spot now. Absolute treasure house of statues and memorabilia and Anglo-Boer War stuff. It's probably one of the biggest collections of Anglo-Boer War uh, memorabilia in private hands just to the north of Rustenburg there. The M4 then sort of carries on, and we get to a little spot called um, Swartragans. Oh, yeah. And kind of a unique little memorial there is the what they call the Anglo-Boer War Animal Monument. Oh, uh, I know of one. I know there's, there's that one down in PE, which is that famous um, equestrian statue, you know, with the... With the the British soldier is, is giving his horse water out of his helmet. It's called the Horse Memorial. Yes. There is another one that commemorates the animals of the Anglo-Boer War on uh, Kensington Ridge in Johannesburg, and then I know of this one. And there was a garrison at a place called Irlands River, and this memorial is in, in, in memory of the 1,540 animals that were kept at the Irlands River. And an awful lot of animals died during what they call the Siege of Irlands River. 1,239 horses, oxen, and mules died between the 4th and the 16th of August um, during that siege. So Delaray had besieged the British garrison at Irlands River. And, um, you know, sieges, sieges are never nice. But just an interesting memorial now suddenly that, that, that they commemorate in the animals kind of shows a little bit of heart, I think. That's uh, yes. kind, of, kind, of, kind of cool. But just, yeah, just, off, cool. The N- mm. but just <laughs> off the N4 is actually the Irlands River battlefield. 
And there's a whole pile of little little memorials in there. One of the more interesting ones, again, is the Rhodesian Memorial. Because Rhodesians fought against the Boers. Because they were obviously, at that stage, it wasn't Rhodesia. It was a chartered territory. It was was private property that belonged to Cecil John Rhodes under under a royal charter. And just over 200 Rhodesians were part of the force that um, actually fought at Elans River. So there's, a, there's an interesting little memorial there to that one. There's a, there's a little siege military cemetery. Um, you know, so there's, there's quite a bit to explore. And that's right, right um, on, on the highway. And a slightly different one sort of stuck in the middle of this, and it's a bit of a weird one is a little spot called the Skierlik Massacre Memorial. Now, in 2008, some guy went went to Budluni in January 2008. A guy by the name of Johan Nell went to Budkukus and (laughs) and went on a shooting rampage in the local township. Ooh. And um, he shot a whole pile of people in the local township. Like a, that's like one of just like in the US when you suddenly get these these weird shopping center shootings, yes, and school shootings. This was our version of that one. And the victims of this guy are buried there on on that on that same site. So a bit of a bit of a macabre. Um, yeah, <laughs> little little memorial there. Um, again, as you come in, a very very nice Dutch Reformed church there. In in, How could they figure out what why he did this? No, I think it was sort of one of these big racist anti anti ANC type of you know just going going cuckoos kind of thing. Very very <laughs> weird. Very very strange. <clears throat> But uh, now you carry, if you keep on going, and I hit a little town called Groot Mariku. Now, I've always got to giggle at this one because as you come into into the Groot Mariku, you've got a monument that tries to mirror those monuments down in Howick. And I I don't know, remember when we chatted about Howick, you've got the Nelson Nelson Mandela capture site and you got the museum there and you know where the police had the roadblock yes. and eventually they managed to catch, catch Nelson Mandela at the time now I think this is slight delusions of grandeur because there's um, the Jacob Zuma place of arrest monument just outside Okhrut Mariku and uh, okay <laughs> there's a monument there which is like a, I don't know, it's like a little tower with a big silver ball on top of it and that is now where Jacob Zuma was arrested, and he was on the way to um, Botswana with another 52 ANC cadres or MK recruits, and he was captured there. Now there's uh, this monument um, to Jacob Zuma, but somehow I just don't think he's got quite the same traction and quite the same appeal as uh, yeah. Nelson Mandela. It's just no, not, definitely not. 
And uh, by all reports, that monument is now falling into a bit of dis- disrepair and bits and pieces are being stolen. And I don't think anybody's really bothering to fix it because I just don't think any of the, the sort of any of that interest is actually there for that one. <laughs> yeah. I go past there again to have another quick look and see, actually see what what's what's going on with that one. But uh, Marika's also got an interesting one there again because it is also where the Bible was translated. The what was translated? translated into Afrikaans. Oh, there's a, okay. there's a there's a plaque there that commemorates the 75th anniversary of the Bible's translation into Afrikaans. So, uh, again, quite a, you know, that um, Western Transvaal area, or the West, Western, whatever it is now, we're now now Northwest province, has got a lot of interesting little snippets that that, that go through it. There's a lot of missionary work that, 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 that happened there. You know, there's, there's old David Livingston, a little bit further down when you start hitting Kuruman and that kind of stuff, a lot of the missionary work out that side. But then, of course, you got the, the one of the most famous residents of that area is Hadaman Charles Bosman. Okay. And you obviously, I hope you know who Hadaman Charles Bosman is. No, <laughs> I missed him somewhere in, in the history books. He, he is one of South Africa's great authors and he. He wrote all the stories um, about the Khrit Mariko. And he's considered to be one of one of our best short story writers. And he created the character of Umskalk Lorenz. And Umskalk Lorenz, he lives he lives his stories through Wimskalk Lawrence and he develops all these characters and it's all about life in the bushveld and about um sort of the the simple farmers and the people and the life of these people in the Khrit Mariko and I can really recommend it. And <clears throat> however it's an interesting character, at some stage he actually shot and killed his stepbrother. And he was condemned to death, but um, that was commuted to a life sentence. And he wrote one of his better books called The Cold Stone Jug while he was in prison. And I can really, really recommend that you go and get a book by by, um, Heaven Charles Bosman. It's absolutely incredible, incredible writing, beautiful, beautiful literature. And interestingly enough, um, Patrick Mainhart, the famous South African actor, um, played Wormskalk Lawrence in his one-man shows. And it was, a, it was a show that ran for years and years and years and years. Yes, I remember something like that. Yes, and I think it was, I think it was called A Sip of Jerapigo. I think that's what the show was called. I think it was called A Sip of, Jer- of, Jer- Jer- of Jerapigo. And um, interestingly enough, Maynard and Bosman are actually buried next to each other in the West Park Cemetery in Johannesburg. <laughs> How's that for coincidence? Yeah, I think that I don't think that was coincidence. I think that was actually on purpose. But uh, <laughs> that's one of our our real, literally literary literary heroes um, from from 
in South African literature. You actually got to buy buy a book or listen to podcasts or listen to his written stories of Herman Charles Bosman. Absolutely beautiful, beautiful stories and such simple stuff. It's no, you know, it's not great big epic stories. It's all beautiful short stories. Yes. Then, of course, we have the um, Great Trek Monument. You can't have a little place like Great Mariko without a Great Trek Monument. So there's a, and it's a, it's a again, it's a slightly different one, this one, because this one was was unveiled in 2018. Oh, and so it's, so it's the 180th anniversary. Now, that, that that's kind of a weird one. Yeah. So I don't know. Someone, someone was trying to rekindle something, or someone was was really trying hard to create something. Um, but yes. I mean, 180 years is a real strange anniversary day. You know, you don't normally do 180 years. That that, that kind of doesn't make sense. Yeah. And uh, so the M4 now carries on. I mean, in real in real bushveld. Bushveld kind of kind of area. You're now coming up to Zerast. Oh, yeah, Zerast. Yeah, Zerast. There's a little memorial on the side of the road for a for a car crash that happened in in 20, 2011. It was some teachers, some local teachers died in a car crash there, and it really hit the community hard. You know, it wasn't. Um, um, I wonder when was that? 2012, 11. Ah, uh, that that car crash. That car crash was 2011. Okay, yeah, they uh, by Machalisburg was an. Uh, do you know Lovers Rock? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they now my cousin was killed on that road on the shoulder. Oh of my that word! Road. Okay, um, and I think it was two other kids. Um, they survived, but he was killed on impact. Oh, and yeah, yeah so that was also a big story back then. Yeah, there, there's a couple of these memorials dotted around, and it's not like they're super famous people or well-known people or something. But obviously, yeah. this one hit, hit just the community like hard a as school, school teachers. And then again, it's, it's, and it's just one of those one of those little spots you notice because it's right on the side of the road, and you sort of go, "Okay, yes. why, who, who, or what was that?" And Zerist, Zerist was originally called Kutsierist. Okay, I bet oh. you didn't know that. Because no, um, I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> the, it's the graves of Diderik Kutsia and Kasper Kutsia, my namesake. They okay. actually founded the town of of Zeros. And again, original foot trekkers. They arrived in the area in, uh, in the late, the mid mid 1800s. Yeah, uh, we've got a farm out there. Um, that was, I think it's like three or four generations. Um, yeah, but it's got sold off a couple of years ago, unfortunately, because, yeah, we always had uh, family get-togethers every four years. Um, so, yeah, that was nice. But, yeah, useless information. <laughs> <laughs> So there's a couple of interesting things. There's a beautiful old uh, magistrate courts building in to be to be seen at sort of in the main at the sort of where that where two of the main roads actually have their junction in the middle of Zeros. The old the old magistrate courts is a real really really nice building. There's obviously an old World War One memorial in town as well. But what is quite interesting and something that we don't um, 
really see too often is a South African border wall monument dedicated to just the South African border wall. Okay. In the middle of town. As you know, the border wall is one of those things that you don't really talk about. Yes. Yeah, the Angolan war. And I think it's, it's probably because um, what was called the Special Services Battalion was actually based in Zeros. One of our armored battalions was was based based in, in Zeros there. So that's probably why the border war thing is there. Yes. There's an old historic water mill just a little way off town there as well. And it actually belonged to one of the Kutsia brothers. And that's still up there. And it is in in working order. There's a burger memorial for the Anglo Anglo Boer War, which is sort of kind of kind of standard. And there's also a very, very beautiful bust of um Andries Hendrik Potgieter. Oh yes. And uh He was one of the guys, or he was the guy that actually defeated Mitsulikatsi at the Battle of Masiga. And that's just a little yes. bit west of Zerust. And that again is, it's one of those, those happenings that no one really knows about. But it is a real, yeah. one of the pivotal moments in, in almost in Southern African history because. It forced Mutsulikatsi out of the Western Transvaal and into present-day Zimbabwe. It relieved the local Botswana communities from the rule of Mutsulikatsi. Mutsulikatsi leaves, he moves into present-day Zimbabwe, and uh, he then displaces a whole lot of the local tribes in Zim as the Matabili. He displaces the Shona, and the modern-day politics of Zimbabwe is still Matabili versus Shona. So, yes. you know, that again, that all sort of come, comes down, comes down into, into this little town of Zerust. Yes. Really, really kind of weird. And there's one interesting grave actually in the city, in the, in the town cemetery. And it's a guy by the name of Corporal Benjamin Brown. And okay. he, he, he's a character um, who served in the, 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 12th, the 12th Royal Lancers. And they were more famous for being deployed in the Crimean War during the Battle of Balaclava. Okay, that the you know the ride of the of the six hundred and the charge of the light brigade, etc., etc., etc. That famous battle of Balaclava. Yes, and the twelve lancers also fought in South Africa. They fought okay. at Kimberley. They were fought at Paderburg. They were fought at, at at Diamond Hill. We don't know, however, if the if Corporal Brown was actively serving during the Anglo Boer War. But it's just kind of interesting, and I think it's about the only known grave in South Africa of a Crimean War veteran. Yes. And that just happens to be in this funny little town of Zerust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I never knew that. Now, now you're heading out of Zerust, and you're heading now, you're getting kind of close to the Botswana border. And again, there's a funny little monument, or not a funny little monument, it's a rather strange monument on the on the side of the road there. And it's one of the one of the struggle sites 
and it commemorates the Women Anti-Pass Campaign Monument of the Le, Le Hurutshe District. Now, the passes, <laughs> the pass books were one of those controversial apartheid issues where people of color had to have what is called a passbook. A passbook was basically an internal passport that people of color had to carry this document with them to prove that they were legally in a town or legally at work in a town. If they did not have legal work or had the correct stamps and things inside this passbook, they had to go back to their traditional living areas called the homelands. Yes. And employers had to go and specially apply for permission to employ X amount of people. They would then get 10 permissions. They would then bring 10 people. They would go to the office and everybody would stamp, 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 piece of paper, et cetera, et cetera. And this became yes. one of the big issues of the anti-apartheid movement that people of color had to have these, these passbooks. And there were an awful lot of um, protests against, against these. And some of them, obviously, like Sharpville, et cetera, et cetera, became infamous for the police actions against, against these protesters. Yes. And this, this particular statue is actually, it's actually a very nice statue. It's a very, it's a very well thought out statue. It's a, it's a woman actually standing there, um, holding, holding this, 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 this passbook and sort of in defiance of this thing. Yes. And, there was a march in 1956 in that area against these passports. And so people like Lillian, Lillian and Goyi, and as well as Helen Joseph, two quite well names, quite well known people, um, actually were part of this march. And that's what this particular statue commemorates. So it's unfortunate yes. the statue is kind of a little bit out the way and kind of forgotten, but it's actually a very poignant and a very, very nice and well, well thought out, thought out statue. There's a little bit further up, you're going through kind of the ramshackle, housey kind of homeland kind of areas. And there's a, there's a guy buried there. I don't know, Abraham Ongopotse Tiro. And most people will stare at you with an entire complete blank look. When you well, like I'm having at the moment. Yeah. But <laughs> he was born in that area. He studied at the University <laughs> of the North. And he was expelled in 1972 because of his political activities. He was a manger, he was a member of the South African Student Organization. From there, the South African Student Organization became um, sort of one, one of the founding movements of what we call the Black Consciousness Movement. He was very, very critical of what we used to call the Bantu Education Act. And he actually started work in the 1970s as a history teacher at the the Morris Isaacson High School in Soweto. Now, that should ring a bell with you in that that was one of the schools that fomented the 1976 Soweto riots. Yes. Okay, so now we're getting the tie up here. And... uh, he eventually made life a little bit too hot for himself. So by 1974, he was now actively working against the government, but he was in Botswana. And 
he was one of the few people that the Sargon government actually successfully killed with a parcel bomb. That was one of the ways that the apartheid government would get rid of their opponents and send letter bombs and parcel bombs. And uh, oh God, that's and just nasty. That's very, very nasty. And this, this guy was one of those who was recipient of one of these parcel bombs, and he's buried just on the side of the road just before you actually get to the Botswana border. Yes. <clears throat> so that's not a, not a really cool note to end, to end the M4 trip on, but your neck, your neck <laughs> yeah. passport control at the, um, at the border post, at the Skilpats Heck border post. So yes. the, the M4, I think, is definitely one of those roads that's got a whole lot of little hidden treasures and little hidden bits and pieces and again, it's one of those roads that you tend to put your foot down and try and get done as fast as you possibly can. Yeah. If you bother, disease. Yeah, RSAP's disease. But I think if you bother to take your time on this one, there's a, there's a richness of all sorts of interesting little spots that you can stop and have a look at. And uh, a lot of stuff that people don't even know about. And there's an awful lot of stuff here that people have never, ever heard of and never even seen before. And really, it can really sort of enrich your your history and your and your knowledge of history. And I mean, this N four covers. I mean, we've covered everything. We've covered everything from sand paintings. <laughs> yes, seriously, sand paintings to Jan van Riebeek to the foot trekkers to the first Anglo Boer War, second Anglo Boer War. The Union of South Africa, World War One, World War Two, as well as the anti-apartheid movement, all along the N4. Yeah, and I'm struggling to think of another highway that has got an element of all of those major historical events in South Africa. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I think it's. I think the N4 tells tells a very very cool story. Okay, we didn't, quite, like we didn't quite make our, our, our hour, but uh, we got to our 40 minutes on this one. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, that should be enough. Lekker, and then maybe next time we tackle one of the nature reserves or maybe we tackle one of the other lesser-known highways. We've still got a couple of big highways to go. We go anywhere up to, I think, the N18 at some point. And, yes. uh, in fact, the N18 is just down the road from the N4. And of course, you got the beautiful historical site of Muffa King. Muffa King made famous during the Anglo Boer Wars with um, Baden Powell and the scouts and the siege of Muffa King, et cetera, et cetera. So I'll have to yes. think about that one. Maybe that's what we do next time, or I'll either that or I'll come up with some other like a plan. Okay. Well, okay. That's, uh, that's awesome. No, okay, well, start yourself until we meet again in another day or two when we put up the next couple of podcasts. Cool stuff. Like a dear Walt. I'll chat to you later when you're. Cheers, Ray. Okay, bye. bye.